0: Hi, this is Chris McGregor of Discerning Hearts asking for your help during this Lenten and Easter season support from our listeners is vital and allows us to bring you and many others high quality spiritual programs like the one you are listening to now it also assists us in our outreach to areas around the globe touching literally millions of souls via the world wide web our highly rated free discerning hearts app allows you to access over a thousand audio files as well as video content now available on our expanding youtube channel we've been able to offer online spiritual seminar retreats with father timothy gallagher dr ann Anthony Lillis, Monsignor John Esseff, and Deacon James Keating. The heart of our mission is to help foster authentic spiritual formation for the seeking soul so they can fully encounter the living Christ and share in his mission of healing hearts and spreading the good news to the world. Please, won't you help us to continue this important work of evangelization by donating today to DiscerningHearts.com? DiscerningHearts.com presents Atonement. Soundings in Biblical, Trinitarian, and Spiritual Theology with Dr. Margaret Turek. Dr. Turek is a Professor of Theology and Chair of Domatic Theology at St. Patrick's Seminary and University. She received her doctorate in Sacred Theology at the University of Freiburg in Switzerland. Her other publications include Towards a Theology of God the Father, Atonement, soundings in biblical trinitarian and spiritual theology with dr margaret turek here is your host evan collins
1: this has been a great conversation thus far we felt like both of us felt like it would be fruitful to begin this last kind of time that we are getting together to talk about this with a little bit of a recap and maybe a more precise picture of one of the most crucial aspects of atonement that you talk about in this book, which is not just the filial love of Jesus Christ, but the paternal love, the Father. And so, Margaret, how would you begin to describe, to give us a bite-sized glimpse of the Father's heart and what that looks like in the Old Testament and then as it's fully revealed in the new?
2: Oh, absolutely yes it's so important for us to along with christ keep our gaze fixed on the father on god's fatherly love because that's it's god's fatherly love is forgiving love that is the model or the exemplar or the archetype those three words mean the same but it's in turning toward the father and seeing everything He does, that that everything He does is out of love, that we are moved to mirror, to imitate the fatherly love that we're given, that we see. Everything begins in the Godhead, in the Trinity. It begins with the Father. The Father is the eternal lover, initiating lover and he shows the son uh, his paternal love such that the son both as God and as man receives the father's love is nourished and sustained by the father's love and leers the father's love in turn so this dynamic of paternal love engendering filial love, a filial love that mirrors, imitates, and so reveals eternal love. This dynamic is in play from the beginning to the end of sacred scripture, and it remains in play in our own lives, in the lives of the saints. One of the themes that I would love to trace out with you in this conversation, Evan, is the filial love as it turns toward God's paternal love, God's fatherly love, receives it and mirrors it, imitates it in response, how that is to the glory of God. Mm -hmm. It's to the glory of God. And I, what I don't want us to forget in all our focus on the work of atonement is that this work of atonement, precisely as a work of filial love, mm-hmm. it's to the glory of paternal love. It's to the glory of God, the Father. Okay, and you can see why, because if you're oh. mirroring the Father, you are filial love. Is the place where, as you said, the love of the Father, the heart of the Father, is then made visible, is is seen, and hence glorified in this fallen world. So filial love always points back to paternal love as its source, as its exemplar, and hence its giving filial love the glory. Does that make sense?
1: Oh, absolutely. It's just. I'm sitting here kind of blown away. The connection that I just made in my mind is that even as like a a baby is born and is being nurtured, cultivated, raised by the parents, that baby has these mere neurons that are like imitating exactly like what they see the parents doing. And so like this concept that has been explicated and explained and contemplated and dove into this mystery of paternal love and filial love is yes. so deep to what it means to be even a human person that yes. it's it's a fundamental aspect of what happens to us when we're born and, yes. and we're raised. And I was just sitting here thinking that that is just absolutely crazy to think about. And of course, things like that are going to be really prominent in my mind because Oh my I'm goodness. <laughs> Baby Just Jubilee, first child. Yeah.
2: Now, <laughs> d- does our audience know that you, that you're a, you're oh. a new daddy?
1: Oh yeah, you, well now they do. Uh. Jubilee.
2: So yes, mm. the, you know later it's somewhere in in chapter two the book that's talking about a in the New Testament. Just as you suggest, I draw from the analogy of the parent-child relationship in human terms, and no little child upon coming into this world can love can give, donate itself of itself, by itself. But the little child, the infant's love, is called forth from the love first given by the parent, a love that needs to be though expressed, revealed. Mm-hmm. The heart, the love of the parent, needs to disclose itself, express itself, show itself, to the child, and then as you said the child, recognizing it as love, mirrors it, answers it. The parental smile of love evokes, it engenders, the the infantine smile of love. And love, this lovely, this lovely, excuse the pun, but this play between parental love and filial love, we'll say, the love of a child follows the same fundamental pattern a child filial love always needs to be loved first Mm -hmm. it needs to be shown love and it's that parental love first shown first given the little child that spurs enables the child to give itself in turn and the giving of the child will always be a mirror reflection of the love it has first been shown. And we see this dynamic already in the Old Testament when Adonai, the Lord, the father of Israel, first shows his, you are asking, his fatherly heart toward Israel. He reveals himself, his love for Israel in a multitude of ways And, and over a multitude of centuries. It's a gradual unveiling of the heart of God as father of Israel. But he takes it upon himself to show
1: yeah.
2: his own heart. One of the things I'll talk about that's really important in the Old Testament is the role of the prophet, the role oh. both of Israel the nation with respect to this dynamic, and then also among the nation the individuals that God calls such as the prophets to be a more definite, faithful mirror image of his heart turned toward his people. So should we talk a little bit about, first of all, the role of Israel? God chose Israel to be his living image, his living icon, and his Revealers for the the sake of the world, the nation.
0: We'll return to Atonement Soundings in Biblical, Trinitarian, and Spiritual Theology with Dr. Margaret Turek in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has that YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts.
1: Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there, or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks, and God bless.
0: We now return to Atonement, Soundings in Biblical, Trinitarian, and Spiritual Theology with Dr. Margaret Turek.
1: Well, this is actually something I was just thinking about was how in the Old Testament, like, God prohibits graven images. Yes. And I think sometimes we look at that and we think, what, God doesn't like art or something? Like, what's what's up with that, you know? And, it's, yeah. and he wants to prevent idolatry, obviously, but I think the more superficial way of looking at that is God doesn't want people making idols of stone and wood and clay so that they don't go slip into polytheism and he's trying to emphasize monotheism. And there's definitely, that's definitely an aspect of it. Yes. But a yes. deeper aspect of it is that god is trying to remove the idolatry in the hearts of the israelites so that they become his image bearers in the world so israel is supposed to be the light to the nation that yes. reveals who the true creator god father yes. you know yes. is actually yes. and that's an aspect that i think can be difficult to understand but the prophets kind of make that clear this idea of the prophets in israel is definitely something that would be interesting to touch upon i know that in jesus of nazareth benedict the 16th or joseph ratzinger i guess if you put it underneath his own name um uh, talks about this idea of the prophet and obviously we can get into at some point we can get into that jesus is the prophet par excellence i mean obviously all Whatever the prophets in the Old Testament are doing, Jesus does in the perfect way. Yes. But yeah, maybe we can talk about a little bit because I think this is something that can be a little confusing because the prophets come around. Israel is, when you're reading the Old Testament, at least for me, you read it and you're sitting here like, okay, come on. Like, you guys keep having these amazing encounters with God. He's revealing himself to you, (laughs) he's giving you all this awesome stuff. And then it's like it feels like every other page. It's like, and then Israel yeah. abandons God and slips into idolatry and X, Y, fancy. Um, and then God has to send these prophets along. And then every single time a prophet comes, everyone in Israel treats the prophet horribly. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. so maybe you can um flesh out a little bit. Um, how how do the prophets help show us what the oh atonement process is kind of <laughs>
2: like? Okay. Hopefully, hopefully even by now we've we've sort of um uh inspired the audience to get a copy of the book. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reference actually the, the pages where um, this, the mission of the prophet is really portrayed in, in beautiful terms, setting the stage for the coming of the preeminent prophet, as you said, Jesus Christ. On page 84, we, we get these reflections. The mission of the prophet he sends the prophet to serve as his image, the image of his fatherly heart, the image of his his uh, paternal face, in God's confrontation with sin. So what God does is God calls, and the people have the people as such have have turned away from God's love. And God's loving heart, therefore, is pained. The Old Testament speaks of, yes, um, a a paternal pain and even a paternal anger in the face of his beloved nation, his chosen people, turned away from him in rejection of his his self gift and the many blessings He has to offer, and so what God remember the way God has to do to show His face ever more clearly, unveil His heart ever more graphically, and now in the face of sinners, so He sends He chooses a prophet, and God enables the prophet. To actually enter into the divine subjectivity, mm. the divine mind and heart in its confrontation with sin. And the prophet is therefore to experience the sins of their of the people and experience their rejection of God from God's point of view. And so. What what God does, whether the prophet is Hosea, H O S E A, or the prophet is Jeremiah, or the prophet is Ezekiel, God chooses the prophet, and by the gift of the Spirit of God, the prophet is drawn into the heart of God, as He will, as this heart, the divine heart, faces and bears. Sin, this this separation that sin has has wrought between him and his beloved people. And so this is you'll, you'll find therefore Hosea being the prophet of the broken heart who nonetheless runs after uh, the um, adultering uh, wife and with a forgiving heart, a heart that remains open, a heart that remains forgiving, a heart that that all the while yet shows uh, the pain mm-hmm. that it suffers as it 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 keeps its loving heart open, even as it endures the pain of separation from uh, its unfaithful beloved. Yeah. That. Yeah. So you see, the prophet is showing that this is what God is like. Yeah. This is what the heart of the Father is and does for us in the face of our sin, that's what the prophet is called to manifest, not simply communicate fortune-telling. Oh, this is what God's plan involved. It's that and more. This, This is what the heart of God willingly goes through in its confrontation with your sin, our sin, God's love, as Paul will say later, bears all things, endures all things without ever failing.
1: That's like just absolutely incredible. I mean, I I just sit here and think that because we're thinking of these prophets and and something that's important when reflecting on the Old Testament prophets is they are sinners. Yeah, they are. That's That's what's amazing about it is that God by his grace enables these prophets. Um, obviously through the power of the Holy Spirit, of course, because they're they they are not speaking, they don't just have the idea of one day, oh, you know, I'm going to proclaim the Father's heart to these people, and I have the authority to to represent Yahweh's forgiving, love-suffering heart and all of Israel. They don't think that, but instead, they're given this grace to step into that role of being a representative of not only God, but his children who he desires. And so they step in pierced because they're experiencing the father's heart. And then they are sitting there representing the people in whose sinfulness is is actually causing this yeah. this spiritual death to themselves right and that's what's going on and we we've talked about before um in previous things that the only way to counteract sin is to step into sonship you know it's it's to be the children of the father right that's yeah. that's the only way and so the prophets are intimating this they're they're imaging this but then the question, and we all have to ask, you know, okay, well, that's all well and good, but is this just drama to teach us, you know, or is there some real efficacy here to what's happening, you know, and and there is some real efficacy here, actually, in what's going on in the prophets, but anyone can tell that that's not the definitive act of atonement. This is actually, and there's a lot of uh, not to do inside baseball with theology, but there there's a lot of criticisms of um, Anselm's Cure Deus Homo, but there's real depth and truth to this that sinner a sinner could never atone in the way that is needed to bridge the infinite gap, the infinite offense, the the satisfaction that would be needed for for the action, and. Incomes. So we have the father's heart in this in this capacity that we're talking about, who wants to yes. endure and love, and then the act of sonship that needs to be embraced on the part of yes. the people who God has chosen to be yes. His own, and that's not something that they have acted upon. In comes Jesus Christ, yes, and that's the incarnation. Yes, Christ comes as fully man and fully God, able to then step in. To that place, not because he's a sinner, but because he really is yes. humus. He really is human, but yet is a divine person. And then he steps in as the son yes. and embraces this role of the prophet that we're talking yes. about. Yes, yes. So do you want to yes. outline a little bit of what that looks like in Christ in particular then?
2: Oh, sure. So, yeah, once again, it takes this dynamic between paternal love and filial love. It begins with paternal love expressing itself, showing itself, uh, basically showing its its own subjectivity, its mind and its heart. And it's on the part of, of the child, the part of the son. It's in seeing the love uh, given and the form of paternal love that's shown. It prompts, that enables, engenders a response of filial love that mirrors the love it sees, that answers the love it has first been given, and precisely thereby it is glorifying the paternal love, you know, the initial love, as its perfect image. Um, So fast forwarding to the New Testament then, you know, Jesus will say In whatever gospel you pick up, among the four, he alone, now here's a from Matthew and Luke, no one knows the Son but the Father, and no one knows the Father but the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal him. That's in Matthew and Luke. Now, notice that in this Uh, saying, both son and father abide in mystery. There is a theirs is a relationship that is coequally mysterious and so coequally as intimate. No one knows the son but the father. So already that the son abides in mystery. No one knows the father but the son, and anyone to whom the son reveals him. So it's the son who knows the father. Who will reveal him to the world and will reveal him not simply in words, but more comprehensively and with the entirety of his human life that culminates in the sacrifice of that life, the donation of that life, the giving of that life unto death. So here's, yeah, here's the sunny one. No one has seen the Father, no one has seen God. John says in the prologue to his gospel, it's the only son ever turned toward the father who sees the father and does nothing other than what he sees the father doing. It's that one, the son, who in taking on a human nature expresses his sonship, his filial love unto death on a cross and thereby, heaven. Thereby, is the living image of Father, shows us fully and finally the heart of the love of the Father. And it, it is utterly important that we recognize that the heart of the Father is most fully and definitively, supremely revealed when the human heart of His Son is pierced, is pierced on the When the human heart, the heart that a filial love is bearing sin, is bearing sin unto death on the cross, but it's in it's precisely when that filial love is willingly pierced, willingly pierced, that the revelation of the pierced heart of the Father is accomplished. Yeah. Where we realize that all along, from the initial fall, up up until this moment of his own people rejecting his son, that the father's love has borne all things, endured all things, without his fatherly forgiving love ever coming to an end, a love that has endured our sin with paternal love's pain, but without that. The, the, the Father withdrawing his heart, withdrawing his love, he says he holds true, he holds steady, and his son, as man with his own heart pierced, is revealing not only as you said, revealing not only sin, is taking our rejection of God upon himself, but he's also precisely at the same time revealing this almighty love of the Father that has never ultimately forsaken us that has never withdrawn itself from us not ultimately it has remained true remained true and is the very source and model of the son's love as god and as man as you said stepping into the breach taking on taking uh, stepping into the place of the father's living image and daring to show pain of the father's love a pain though that is almighty but the heart that never and a love that never fails
1: we'll
0: continue the conversation with dr turek and evan collins in our next episode you've been listening to atonement soundings in biblical trinitarian and spiritual theology with dr margaret turek and your host, Evan Collins. To hear and or to download this conversation along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com as well as in the free discerning hearts app or on your favorite podcast streaming platform. You can also view this conversation on the discerning hearts YouTube channel. To learn more about the book on which this series is based, go to Ignatius.com, the website for its publisher, Ignatius Press, or you can find it at any fine Catholic bookstore. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel this worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Atonement, Soundings in Biblical, Trinitarian, and Spiritual Theology with Dr. Margaret Turek.